I mean, if you were beautiful, you would also deny everybody. Yeah. Come on. They have to be Wait, as beautiful as you. you don't think I'm you. beautiful? I mean, some level beautiful, no. Greetings, travelers. Welcome back to Tales from the Enchanted Forest with your animal companions, Fox and Sparrow. Konnichiwa. If you've been following us on Twitter and Instagram at Tales from the Enchanted Forest, then you will know that we have a very thrilling tale for you today. Yep, we got another great tale for you today coming all the way from Japan. Or from Out of This Planet. Ooh. This story was written by an unknown author in the 9th or early 10th century, during the Heian period, which was considered the last division of classical Japanese history, and noted for its art and poetry, such as our story today. So this story goes by a lot of different names. You can see it being titled anything from The Tale of the Bamboo Cutter, to The Moon Child, to Princess Kaguya. Either way... We are bringing this story to you from far beyond our enchanted forest, from an enchanted bamboo forest. Deep within the bamboo forest, there lived an old, poor bamboo cutter and his wife, who had always wanted a child of their own. But they were never able to have any. One day, while working in the forest, the bamboo cutter found a tiny, beautiful little girl. Inside, uh... Can you believe it? A bamboo stalk. Very convenient. They totally got to skip that gross baby period. (laughs) I think it's gross. I would hate to deal with a baby. Like, I'm fine with little kids, but, like, babies are so gross. Also, at their age, I don't think they'd be able to take care of a baby. So it's kind of nice that whoever gave him this child was like, you know what? Let's skip all that. And here's your tiny human. Yeah. Very convenient for them. So our friend, the bamboo cutter, is Pretty excited and seems ready to throw all logic out the window, deciding not to ask questions like, how did this tiny child get into the bamboo stalk? Why is she only three inches tall? Where are her real parents? Will he get foster pay? Are there more children trapped in the bamboo stalks? Why is bamboo considered a grass? These are all very... Seriously, why is bamboo considered a I mean, these are all very good questions, none of which are, you know, bamboo cutter asks, but I think... I'd be a little bit freaked out if a child, like, I don't, I don't care how much I wanted a child. I feel like if I saw a child stuck inside a bamboo stalk, I'd be more worried about what the implications of that were than just be like, oh, yay, a free child. Just what I've always wanted. It's like the whole thing of don't take candy from strangers. Maybe old people in fairy tales need something that says don't take babies from weird places. (laughs) Just a disclaimer. Although this turns out to be a good decision for him, so... What do we know? Maybe we need to stop questioning weird stuff in life. You know? Maybe we should take candy from that stranger. We could have had no Henry today. And now look well, at me without I no mean, Henry. you could have also had, if you were out there cutting bamboo stalks, you could have also found yourself a small, tiny child. Is that what you want? I mean... Do you want responsibility for a small child the size of your thumb? I feel like I'd lose the child, to be very, to be very, very frank. <laughs> yeah, like... We're dealing with, like, a George Shrinks scenario. You got a little kid running around, like, what the heck? Where Don't get go? me started on George Shrinks. That was such a weird show. But, I mean, also, I kind of envied him Dude, because he geez. was really cool. But I feel like I wouldn't want a small child. I feel like I'd be so worried that this is the size they're going to stay. Yeah. But on the other hand, 
I just realized something. What? You could buy doll clothes for your tiny baby. How cute would that be? Oh my gosh, that's adorable. And how cheap. I feel like that'd be more. I feel like that. Actually, no, I'm not sure. American girls are pretty expensive, but I feel like Barbies don't have, like their clothes aren't that expensive. Right? No. Well, in theory, I feel like brand is more important these days. So I think it would actually still be pricey in the end. Ah, okay. I don't want a small child anymore. A small thumb-sized child, at least. I Again, I'd be more afraid of losing it. <laughs> but he seems thrilled about this. Mm-hmm. With none of these questions burning in his mind, he takes the child home to raise her, and she is named Kaguya, or Moon Princess. Now, remember earlier how I said this was a poor bamboo cutter? Well, that's about to change. Because now, when he goes out to cut bamboo, gold and other rare materials come out of the bamboo stalks. And continuing the trend of not questioning these bizarre events, he quickly makes enough gold to become very wealthy and buys himself a super nice new home for his family. That's actually really nice. I feel like this is really sweet. This is working out well for He gets a child. He gets money. If it was me, I would totally start like a production plant and start cutting down bamboo like en masse. But I wonder if that wouldn't work, if it has to be exactly him. Because otherwise, all the other bamboo cutters would also be rich and famous, no? This is true. Did no one else just start finding money in bamboo stocks? Was it just him? I also like how he does the thing that everyone would do. It's like, you get some money or like, well, I got to spend this right now. What's the biggest thing I buy? A house? Done. Well, he's old. What is he going to do? Sit on the money and wait for, like, better days? He's already had, like, he has a wife. Now he has a kid. I feel like with fairy tales, when you're older, it's a lot different than when you're younger. Because when you're older, you already have, you've already had a life. So you're like, okay, what am I going to do? I'm going to be comfortable in my old age. And then that's what he does. He buys himself a nice house, enjoys his life. Yeah. I mean, that seems to be what he's doing. (laughs) And over the next three months, Kaguya grows from a tiny child to a full-grown adult and is very, very beautiful. I want that kind of glow up. I know. it, And, like, again, talk about how good of a situation this is for like, <laughs> these parents. They got through all of being a kid to the preteen, the teenage years, got that all done in three months. Yeah. Like, no muss, no fuss. She's a full-grown adult now. She can take care of herself. And... That means she got to skip the super awkward high school years and comes out looking like a queen. I mean, I'm not jealous. I'm very jealous. I feel like if I could go back, I want to skip all of the awkward years, go straight to the good stuff. But I mean, those awkward years, everyone's going to say they make you who you are, blah, blah, blah. No, skip to the good stuff. Blah, blah, blah. I want to be pretty. Those are just (laughs) people looking back and trying to look at the bright side. No, they were rough and we all hated it. I, I don't want the ugly duckling, you know, situation. I want to just go straight from being a small thumb to being beautiful. Yeah. I want that life. <laughs> Give me that kind of lifestyle. But apparently being too pretty has its drawbacks. Shocker. Every suitor in the land hears of her magnificent beauty and keeps requesting an audience with her. But she knows these men are really only interested in her beauty and not really who she is. So she denies all of them. That's a bold move. I mean, if you were beautiful, you would also deny everybody. Yeah. Come on. They have to be Wait, as beautiful as you. don't think I'm you. beautiful? I mean, thumb level beautiful? No. No one is thumb to princess level beautiful. Come on. 
Are you glowing like she is? Do you radiate every room with a moon-like substance every time you walk through it? I mean, I like to think I radiate, but <laughs> now I'm questioning no, a lot I didn't mean of things. Like that. I wasn't. I didn't mean it as if you're not beautiful. I meant it as if are you no, no. the moon I beautiful? Understand. It's okay. I now know the truth. Beauty has tears, okay? And I think Moon Princess is up there with a literal goddess. So you're saying I'm not... Okay. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. It is what it is. Anyway, wow, what's the story? Wow, this is the day of revelations. <laughs> well, let's go back to the story. What happens next? Uh, you know. All right. Well, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, most suitors take a hint and leave her be, supposedly going with these second-tier options. <laughs> Except for five stalkers. <clears throat> I mean, uh, knights. These five knights plead with the bamboo cutter for a chance to prove their love for her. The bamboo cutter tells the knights that he will not force her to marry anybody, that it is her decision and he cannot make that for her. Give this man a medal for actually respecting his daughter's wishes. You know what? I think that it needs to be recognized that this man was not about to, you know, just sell off his daughter to the highest bidder. No. He wanted her to pick the person she was going to be shackled, I mean, married to for the rest of her life. However, he is old and he wants Kaguya to be well looked after when he is gone. So he asked Kaguya to at least give these knights a chance. Kaguya wanting to respect her foster father's wishes, but not actually want to end up with these stalkers, agrees by giving them each a test to retrieve a rare item in order to prove themselves. I mean, that makes sense. I would definitely tell any potential suitor like, yo, go get me some rare <laughs> items and prove yourself to me. Well, it's kind of like the whole, like, you have to fight the dragon to get the princess scenario, but except the princess is telling them what dragons to fight, which is actually kind of cool. I respect what, it. What would you do if you were to send off a, a suitor to, and like, to fetch something for you? What would you want them to bring back? Well, I mean, if, if I was being practical, I would tell them to come back with lots and lots and lots of money, so that way, you know, I could be yeah. a rich trophy wife. Um, yeah. so if I had to marry like one, two or three, I'd say if all of three of you go out and, you know, make as much money as possible and come back, I'll marry the one who makes like at least this much. But I mean, if I didn't want to marry any of them, I would just give them some like rubbish to find. Like if they go find Excalibur or, you know, go find, um, I can't even think of anything. I'm, I'm just lost for words. I can't think of anything I'd want my suitors to find besides money, apparently, after we just talked about being superficial. So you know what? Uh, maybe I'll tell them to go find evidence of um, the Loch Ness Monster or something. Just stuff I knew that they couldn't do, but that they would drive themselves crazy trying to do for me. It's kind of like a power trip. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, go do this. And then I'd, I'd wait a couple years and then I'd marry someone else, obviously, in the meantime. Yeah, get right on that. Like, uh, <laughs> someone thinks I've promised them this marriage, so I need to, like, deny this right now. Or, but I mean, you could also say, get me the prettiest flower you can find, and then every flower they bring you, just like, that's not pretty enough. Or you say, you know what, that one's not the one I wanted. Because it's subjective. You give them something so vague, like my university professors, that no matter what they give you, it could be wrong. Because it's not what you wanted, but you're not going to tell them what you want, because that defeats the purpose. I would, 
you know, your your thought in this is way better than mine. I was thinking, like, I want them to bring me a fully functional Iron Man suit. <laughs> and then what, smite them with it afterwards. <laughs> so, whereas you would be wanting, like, to ask your knights to bring you a flower, and I'd be asking for an Iron Man suit, Kaguya had different thoughts on what she wanted from these people. She tells the first knight to retrieve the stone begging bowl of Buddha the second one to retrieve a jeweled branch from the mythical island of Hori, the third to obtain a robe of Chinese fire rat skins, the fourth to find a colored jewel from a dragon's neck, and the fifth to get a quarry shell born from a swallow. Whatever the heck that is. Knights one through three don't even bother searching, and I'll bring back forgeries of the real thing, as they realize pretty quickly that these tasks are impossible. But, to their dismay, Kaguya has, wait for it, more than three brain cells, so she really easily sees through these fakes and quickly rejects them. <laughs> the fourth knight rage quits after searching at sea for the dragon's jewel, only returned with a cold and presumably a lame t-shirt. Finally, we come to the fifth knight, who searched high up a cliff for the swallow's nest, only to immediately fall and die make him one of the few characters who actually <laughs> dies from falling off a cliff. You know, aside from that one guy in, in Theseus's myth who, you know, was pushing people off a cliff and he died at the end. Oh, that's true. But, like, name one modern character that's died from falling off a cliff. Like, actually stayed dead. Uh, you want me to go hardcore? Because I can say uh, Black Widow. <laughs> I, I'm so sorry. It's the first thing that came to my mind when we were because we were just talking about the Marvel universe, and you said this, yeah. and I was like, I'm like, well, because I, I was thinking of Bucky, and I was like, Bucky didn't die falling off a cliff. Yeah, but uh, Scarlett Johansson did. Well, her character. I mean, did. I would argue that's a bit different because of like how it goes, but you're still right. I mean, she fell off a cliff and she died. Those are the two the two requirements here. You're right. It's, but you, you agree with me, right? This is a trope, like a regular reoccurring thing. If someone falls off a cliff, especially if there's a river at the bottom, no one believes they're dead, right? It happened with Aragorn. It happened with Bucky, like I was saying earlier. Well, I mean, I kind of want to go back to why this man fell off a cliff. And it brings me to one of my favorite tropes, and that's the suitor task. This is usually a common motive where a bride or a groom must compete for the hand of the one they want to marry, usually against other members who also want to win this bride or groom. One of my favorite examples of this is in Homer's Odyssey, where Odysseus's wife Penelope sets out an impossible task for her suitors to complete, and the only one who actually does compete them is, surprise, surprise, her actual husband. Now, an obvious example of this in the current age is a show like The Bachelorette or The Bachelor. What? So our princess here is trying to run her own version of The Bachelorette, except there's no winning. There's never an option of winning. She hates all of you. She doesn't want to marry anybody. At the end of it, she wants to be single. So it's like reverse Bachelorette. I don't know what you'd call that. Maybe leave me alone. <laughs> you see, I would watch The Bachelorette if it was someone like Kaguya, like, running the show. Like, I wanted to see people trying to do <laughs> clearly impossible stuff. It's like Survivor slash The Amazing Race slash The Bachelorette. I feel like that would actually be a great reality show. Like, let's watch people 
do high risk, low reward tasks. <laughs> because the reward at the end is that she still doesn't want to marry you. Yeah, and we'll just constantly cut away to her like living her life. She never actually interacts with them. Like maybe she'll give them a phone call once in a while, be like, Oh, you're still doing that? Okay. I'm gonna go do like I'm gonna go help kids like who are orphaned and you just do your thing. Like that's well, I mean, the suitors aren't the greatest people to begin with. Are we talking about the fairy tale or the bachelor? Still? Well, I mean, okay, the, the, I mean both, but for this one specifically, the knights. I mean, the first one, he pretended to be looking for this bowl for three years when actually he just went to the nearest temple and got it, and then was like, "Oh, I'm gonna wait three years to make it look like I actually went." I mean, the second one is my favorite because the second one. <laughs> He he presented a branch, you know, that he said was like the branch he was looking for, but he got people to make it and he didn't even pay them. So she found out that he's a fake because the people who made it came over and were like, hey, are you going to pay us for this branch? And she was like, oh, sure. I mean, I guess I thought this was the branch, you know, from the mythical island. And they were like, lady, that island doesn't exist. Of course, he didn't get it from there. Now pay us. And she paid them. If you're going to lie about this magical jeweled branch that, you know, you paid people to make, at least pay the people. I feel like that's very basic. And I would have gotten away with it, too, if it wasn't <laughs> for the dumb bill at the end of it. <laughs> I mean, maybe he thought that once he marries her, he'll pass the bill on to, you know, his father-in-law and be like, yeah, I use this to get your wife, to get my wife. But it's just, it's so weird. The version I read, that's explicitly said that he thinks, he, he just assumed it was going to get paid afterwards but why would you not communicate like you need to communicate with these people like look i'm baking a this branch to lie to my potential wife and she's got all this money right so this is essentially scam at this point you guys can get your money but you guys have to be chill for like an extra five minutes that's all i'm saying well to be fair i think at the end of that she does pay them really really well yeah she's so happy that she got rid of number two so she's like go away here it is but yeah, I mean, at the end of this Bachelorette, she's not with anybody. One of them's literally dead. So I think she's come out, you know, quite well here. She's got exactly what she's wanted, what she wanted. So after the first season of The Bachelorette, <laughs> Kaguya is feeling pretty relieved that she doesn't have to marry anybody and goes happily on her way, living her life, until one day the emperor hears of her beauty and decides he must go and see her for himself. This is like that surprise episode at the end of The Bachelor. I've never seen The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, so I don't know what I'm talking about. But I guess this is the surprise. <laughs> it's like, oh, we have a... coming out of left field. It's like, oh, look, there's someone else because everyone else sucks. We've included this really hot guy who's also rich. <laughs> that is textbook filler episode. Yeah, Naruto had so many of those where it's just like long monologues before they actually fought. And I was like, come on, get to it. I have no patience she, for fillers. <laughs> I actually have patience for fillers when there's character development. Like, you don't need to always move the plot forward, in my opinion, but I feel like there always has to be interesting and meaningful character interactions during those filler episodes. Classic example <laughs> of this is from Avatar, you know, the one filler episode, the Tales of Boss Sing Say. Like, we learned, like, some of it was just fun, but we also got some good insight on some of the characters and what they're thinking and what they felt. And 
I think everyone agrees it's a great filler episode. I absolutely do not agree that Tales of Bossing Say was a filler episode. The only filler episode, I think, was that stupid Canyon one. And even then, that was kind of okay, but it was so dumb. The Canyon one was like the weird filler one. You see, here's the thing. There's also the um, the Ember Island players. Like that is 100% a filler episode. I feel like they. I feel like our definition of filler they might do be one, one a season. Okay, I feel like our episode, our our definitions are different here because I'm thinking of like the long winded monologues that everyone has in Naruto, or like where they spend so much time just talking before they actually fight, or like they'll do like one fight and then like they'll stop and they'll keep talking i feel like the avatar ones were really really well done in that they didn't they weren't fillers to me because they were just part of the story at least at least yeah. what i thought avatar is one of the best like showcases of how to do a filler episode well because 100%. you didn't even notice uh i understand what you're saying like those episodes from naruto that you're talking about are 100 filler but like a filler episode essentially is if you removed it from the show like if you just took it out the whole story would still function fine you know, if the episode didn't exist and everything still works on its own, then that's considered a filler episode. Toph as a giant man is a part of the story and you cannot convince me otherwise. Wait, what? Toph as, you know how they the Toph's character in the Ember Island players is like that giant ripped man. Yeah. Who uses echolocation for his earth it's bending. It's beautiful. That is beautiful part of the story. Episode. That is part of the story. It is. You cannot take it away. It, it, you, just, it's just, no. you, can't, you can't take that away from me. But if someone were to skip that episode and then, and like just continue watching, they wouldn't be going, wait, I don't understand how Aang was able to defeat the Fire Lord. No, no. Anyways, sorry. <laughs> Way they, off would, they would miss so much. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Anyway. Kaguya, feeling very relieved that she doesn't have to marry anybody, goes on happily living her life until the emperor hears of her beauty and decides he must go and see her for himself. So, he sneaks into her house, sees Kaguya, and is absolutely transfixed by her ethereal beauty. She, of course, gets quite mad that a man sneaked into her house and saw her without her permission, and demands he leaves. The emperor begs her to marry him, to which she counters with a, wait for it, no! No, no, no! <laughs> Get out of my house, you weirdo! You're not even on The Bachelor! <laughs> Bachelorette. Yeah. We did not ask for this filler episode. We did not want this drama. I thought I was out of it. Leave me alone. You've been kicked off the island, now stay off the island. But, as it turns out, Kaguya is looking for a friend, and who better than that creep that snuck into your house that one time to become your new BFF? So the Emperor and Kaguya become friends and write letters to each other often. As one does with a weird creepy guy that now, you know, is your BFF. I mean, how do you think I made friends with the Raven? I mean, did you sneak into his house and then start writing him letters? I feel like that's weird. No, we snuck into another person's house at the same time and then we kind of got pals over it. Ah. It was fun. I mean, definitely not a way to make friends. Uh, relationship 101, definitely not. But... I'm going to tell Raven you said that. I mean, you can. I feel like there are certain standards of love and romance. And while I don't condone The Bachelorette or The Bachelor for being that standard, um, I feel like it's a bit weird for her to be like, you know what? I'm going to make these other four men who, you know what? We're trash. But I'm going to make <laughs> them go do these weird things and make one of them die. But weird emperor guy who literally snuck into my room 
him I'll be BFFs with. Like, I feel like the other guys at least spoke to her dad, you know, asked permission, spoke to her, tried their best to, you know, get her to, I don't agree with it, but, you know, got her, tried to meet her demands. Whereas this guy gets a free pass because he snuck into her room. I think she realized that there was no winning with this guy and she needed to throw him a bone. That's not a good message to send to children or to anyone. If a guy is persistent and he stalks you and he comes into your room at night, you call the police or you kick him out. I don't care how old your dad is. Even your 70 year old dad will come over and, you know, fight him or you can fight him because, you know, you're also someone who can fight people. But it's not a good message to send that, you know what, if someone is persistent enough or annoying enough, you should give them a chance. That is very nice guy territory right there. Don't let nice guys, quote unquote nice guys, treat you like trash. More time goes by and eventually the bamboo cutter notices that Kaguya is looking very sad these days and at night is always looking at the moon. She tells him that she is actually from the moon. Record scratch moment there. <laughs> And she will have to return very soon, though she does not want to leave her foster family. Her good friend, the Emperor, hears of this and sends an army to protect her from the moon people, who will take her away. Kaguya tells him this is useless, but he is having none of it. Again, just like, I guess is the path of least resistant. I guess your army can come. Fine. Don't listen to me. That night, a cloud comes down from the moon to Kaguya's home and brushes past the soldiers with ease. On the clouds are the moon people to take Kaguya home. Among them was the moon king, a.k.a. Kaguya's father. The bamboo cutter rolls low on his deceptions like, mm, moon what now? Ah, uh, I'm sorry. Don't know what you're talking about, bro. Uh, nah, my daughter here has been forever. Sorry, your princess is in another castle. <laughs> Let me just lie to the ever-knowing Moon King. I know you can look down the world, but you know what? This ain't your daughter. You are not the father. That's a bold move, to be sure. What in the ever-loving E.T. Superman UA from Avatar? <laughs> like, what? what is happening? I like that it's just kind of like, oh, she's looking really sadly at the moon. So the moon people are going to come take her away. I feel like when you tell your kids, like, if you stay awake... Too late into the night, the Moon King will come and get you. It's such a weird... But, I mean, she was a thumb, so I think we are in land of fantasy at the moment. Um, but still very, very well, we weird. we had some pretext that she was a strange child. Like, this is actually kind of nice. It's like, yes, it's out of left field, <laughs> but it's also like we were prepared for her being weird from the get-go. To be fair, the bamboo cutter and his wife, and whoever, you know, the name person who named the princess... We're spot on when they were like, you know what her name should be? Her name should be Princess, but Princess Moonlight. I mean, it's self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm -hmm. They kind of called it. And for him to be like, yeah, my daughter, the one named Princess Moonlight, definitely not a princess and definitely not a princess of the moon. No. That's just her name. Nope. Nope, not her. What is the moon? I, I don't, like, I can't help you here, buddy. And she's like, but dad, my name is Princess Moonlight. And he's like, no, shush, Sunrise. That's not your name. <laughs> Thankfully for the bamboo cutter, the Moon King decides to quickly moved past this and just thanks him for taking care of his daughter while she was on Earth. Turns out the moon people placed the gold in the bamboo as a reward for taking good care of the princess. So there was foster pay after all, even though he didn't stop to ask the question. <laughs> he also explains that the princess was sent to Earth as punishment for a grave fault. 
But to my dismay, he never elaborates on what that grave fault was. What did she do to earn that punishment? Where is my prequel? Like, what? I feel like that's the story I want to hear. I don't really want to hear about the suitors and stuff anymore now that I've heard this. I want to hear what a moon princess has to do in order to be sent down to Earth as a thumb. When I read this story, I just stopped and reread that paragraph like over and over again. I'm like, what? What? Like, this is so completely random and I love it. And why is this not the main focus of the story? I feel like her origin stories need to have their own tale or own movie or novella because I'd watch that. I'd want to watch about why she became a thumb, why they put her in a bamboo, and how did they choose this specific bamboo cutter? Like, I feel like if my daughter did something bad and I was like, okay, I have to punish you, I'm going to send you to a faraway planet um, like Superman, but I'm going to put you in a bamboo and I'm going to pick a specific person to take care of you. And I'm not saying the bamboo cutter wasn't a good guy, but I feel like there must have been some like already rich good people that he could have chosen. I don't know what like how did they decide this is the man who's going to raise our child? Okay, but you could tell that Kaguya comes from a rich family because only a rich family be like we need to punish you, but we're going to send you money so you live in a like a really big mansion and really have nice clothes like. But you are being punished, but what, okay? what was the punishment? Was the punishment just being on Earth? Is that like, I mean, like, I totally agree. 100% of punishment being on Earth is like the worst punishment you can give someone. But Ouch. to them, they were like, what's the worst thing we can think of? Let's send her to Earth because it sucks down there. <laughs> Again, this wasn't even just like a punishment. This was a grave punishment like this was she did something big but like what do you think she did i mean i'm i'm very i don't understand like what was she supposed to learn from this i mean she didn't become a better person she didn't do any big acts of charity she didn't come down here and use her moon powers to change the tides you know cause droughts and stuff she didn't do anything while she was on earth besides be pretty and be taken care of so their punishment for her gray fault was literally living on Earth. That was her punishment. Let, th- let that sink in for a moment. Moon people were like, what sucks? What is our greatest, you know, what's our capital punishment? Beheadings, executions, uh, house arrest? No, no. Do you think she killed someone? I've just, I don't know. Maybe she was just really vain and they were like, we need to teach her a lesson. But then they made her really pretty on I Earth too. I feel like too. she did something like where she was in a court, like, you know, in, like, a really noble place, and she just accidentally said what was on her mouth. <laughs> <gasps> a woman is speaking! <laughs> woman, shut your mouth! Why isn't she in the kitchen? Send her to Earth, where she can stand and still do absolutely nothing. I mean, I don't know. I feel like I'm so caught up in the fact that they were like, Earth is her punishment, that I don't understand what she could have done, because it could be anything from a minor thing, like, oh, she fell in love with someone who wasn't a moon prince. To she murdered or you know she caused a revolution and the entire moon kingdom is in peril to maybe she's got a sister who's like queen of mischief up there that just you know tricked her into starting a war with the frost giants and now she's stuck on earth until she's worthy of the hammer maybe i feel like that that could be a really good one i feel like i've read something else i read another adaptation i guess that said that there was a war 
like a planetary war and she was sent down to earth for safekeeping. Oh. So that could be her origin story where they were just like, they bundled her up and they kind of supermaned her where they sent her off and they, they're like, she'll be taken care of. But it could be anything from, from very simple. We want to take care of you. Go, you know, live on earth to, uh, you killed someone time to leave. As much as we both really want to know what happened before the story now, there's no official text depicting this at all, so we will have to leave it to our imaginations. Before Kaguya leaves, you know, to go to the moon forever, she writes one more letter to her good friend, the Emperor, and leaves him a small vial of elixir of life. Wow, this guy sneaking into her house has really paid off in big ways. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he ever thought, I'm going to go be a creep to, you know what, E.T.'s going to tell me I can live forever. Then she drinks some of the elixir herself, puts on a robe of feathers, which instantly erases her memory of being on Earth and returns to the moon. The Emperor is so upset that he will never see Kaguya again that he orders that the elixir be burned on the summit of the highest mountain. And that is our tale for the day. What do you think of that, Fox? I mean, I I really like that tale. I feel like in a lot of tales, it's very clear-cut what's happening, what the goal is, what the lesson is, and what the moral is. But here, we have absolutely no idea what anything meant. Oh my gosh. It was just a story. And I feel there like... There's just so much going on. There's so much going on, but also there's no real clear-cut message, I feel. Like, a lot of, you know, with the Grimm's mm-hmm. fairy tales, with Anderson, sometimes it feels like there is too much of a message, and it's kind of pushed down your throat of, like, this is what the message is. Mm-hmm. Learn this message, you know, like, listen to your parents. Don't go to people's houses that have candy in them. But here, it's just like, well... Being pretty will kind of work out for you. Not marrying will work out for you. Don't bother people. Otherwise, they'll get you killed by sending you to a crow's nest. <laughs> Make sure that if you ever love someone, you go sneak into their house at night and then write them letters because they'll leave you in a mortality potion. There's so many things to learn from this. Uh, my favorite, actually, has absolutely nothing to do with the suitors, the moon. I think I am just so fascinated by the bamboo cutter. And really, it's mm-hmm. his age. I love his age. I think in so, so Good many... It's an age to be at. It's an age to be at. I think in so many fairy tales, often there's a clear divide between old and young, where old people are almost marginalized into the corner as being, you know, the supporting parents, the elderly, you know, side characters, the evil witch, the, you know, the old king. They're kind of seen as either evil or magical and, you know, helpless in a way but you're never you don't really see them at the forefront in western literature barring hans christian anderson who actually did write some tales focused on the elderly i feel like a lot of western media doesn't really focus on that whereas in eastern fairy tales and folk tales you do see a lot of you know older people or older generations taking the forefront and here specifically we see the old bamboo cutter he really loves his daughter. I mean, mm-hmm. he takes care of her. We see him acting as kind of a messenger between the suitors and herself. We see him acting as kind of a confidant for her, but also someone who's trying to guide her in life and tell her like, hey, I understand that you want to live by yourself and you want to be this like person, but you do need someone to take care of you because this is just the world we live in. Um, and then also trying to protect her from the Moon King and putting that kind of protective fatherly love on her. It's, it's a really, really heartwarming story. And I think if we read it from the perspective of the message of the story was the bamboo cutter was a good dude all his life. All he wanted was a kid. 
And then he gets a child and he does right by her. I mean, he takes care of her. He really does. He lets her live her life. And at the end, you know what? He does lose in a way because he has to give her up. But I think that's just the transition of parents that parents have to go through where you raise your child. You have some expectations of what their life is going to look like. But at the end of the day, they need to live their own life. And they have to put on a robe that's going to erase you <laughs> from their memories and move on. Honestly, I thought he deserved better than that. They should have taken him to the moon with them. But and I know in her defense, in some versions, she does try and give the old man some of the drink. But the... the moon people won't let her so instead she leaves it for the emperor which is weird because i don't understand that but i still think that bond between them is the true story here and i love it i love seeing that my theory on the emperor thing is this has been a long con like she knows that immortality actually sucks when there's no one else with immortality so she was like he drinks it he's gonna like hate himself eventually and this is me getting back at him for sneaking into my house that one time. <laughs> the long game is, I'm going to ruin his life by making him live forever. Yep. What in the Edward Cullen is this? I really like the story and how it shows the relationship between parent and child. Especially being something like being a foster parent and being a foster child. They have such a strong bond and they connect even though they're not really related by blood. And they really respect each other's wishes, you know, especially when it comes to the suitors. The, the bamboo cutter doesn't want to force Kaguya to pick anybody, but he also wants her taken care of. And at that time, this is how you took care of someone is making sure they were with someone for the rest of her life. Whereas she didn't want that, but she still honored his wishes that he that she's taken care of and still humors the suitors in a way. They both try and kind of meet each other in the middle where they can and i think it's really nice and also as you said before it's talking about taking care of a child but then also being ready to let them go it's sad but i really like the way they depicted that kind of relationship all right fox as much as i enjoyed this story i think we're quickly running out of time so i think we should move on to our five fantastic finds five fantastic finds For those of you who don't know, our five fantastic finds are just these nuggets of information we found along the way that we just want to tell you about this tale before we leave you today. Number one, the wonder child. We give the bamboo cutter a hard time about taking in a random child he just found without really questioning it, but he is not the only one to do so. This phenomenon is common in fairy tales and folklore. If you have a character and or couple who is poor and has always wanted a child but never had one of their own, then this pretty much guarantees the appearance of a wonder child. Because of how the child appears to their new guardians, their circumstances of how they came to be often, well, they'll be a bit different. Kaguya was found in a bamboo stalk, for example. There's also the tale of Pinocchio, who became Geppetto's son after Geppetto created a puppet out of his loneliness. And of course, perhaps the most iconic modern-day example of this is Superman. Whatever version of this character you prefer, his origin story always begins with him crash-landing onto the Kent family farm to be raised by this childless, elderly couple. Number two. Now... The bamboo cutter's daughter is the older surviving work in the form of the monogatari, meaning an extended prose narrative that is like an epic novel. These stories were usually written between the 9th to 15th centuries, and the most popular version of this type of novel is called The Tale of Genji. 
With the introduction of Western media in Japan, the names of other famous novels were changed to add monogatari to them. For example, Lord of the Rings is called Yubawa Monogatari, which means the Tale of the Ring. Number three, Kaguya in Japanese means shining light or radiant night. And this is to reflect her ethereal beauty radiating off of her in the original tale. But in some translations, you will see her known as Princess Moonlight. Number four. Speaking of where names come from, there is speculation that the name of Mount Fuji comes from this story. The name could mean immortal, which is Fuji in the kanji, but could also come from the idea of the abundance of soldiers, referring to the soldiers marching up the mountain to burn the princess's last light letter and the vial of immortality that was placed there. Now, this is all speculation, as there are many other folk etymologies that place different meanings to the mountain such as without equal or never ending. That brings us to number five. This tale has been around for a long, long time. It's even one of the earliest accounts of sci-fi that we have. So this has inspired a lot of other stories. In particular, in Japan, where it's originated from, you can read a lot of manga and see a lot of anime that take heavy inspiration from it. The most notable one at this time is The Tale of Princess Kaguya from Studio Ghibli from 2013. If you want a really great adaptation of this story, this is the one you should watch. It's got stunning visuals and a moving performance and a wonderful score that ties this whole story together in such a moving way. Really exploring this idea of family and the idea of saying goodbye, but also how beautiful life can be. Other notable examples that you might be aware of is the Sailor Moon show and the movies. One of the movies does take a more direct retelling of the story, but it takes those ideas and applies it in not a straight-up adaption kind of way, but more applying the themes to its story. If you enjoy video games, there's also a place you can enjoy this story in the video game Okami. If you enjoy the Legend of Zelda games, this is a must-play game for you. In this game, you play as Amaterasu, going through trying to restore balance to the world that you're living in. And in this story, you explore all sorts of different Japanese fairy tales, including Kaguya, where you get to see her whole story from start to finish, from finding her in that bamboo forest to her getting into a rocket ship in this version and flying off to the moon. (laughs) Fox, do you have any other... (laughs) This is such a big story. Fox, do you have any other iterations that you enjoy? Well, the first one that comes to mind is Inuyasha. The Inuyasha story is basically a story of a girl who gets pulled back into feudal Japan, uh, where she meets Inuyasha, a half-demon, as well as a bunch of other characters. It has the same premise of a girl being displaced from her original land and being moved to a different one where she has learned to adapt. Doesn't help it does help that she's also very beautiful. My favorite all-time adaptation of the story is the tale of Princess Yue from Avatar. She was born very sickly, and her parents took her to the moon spirit to help heal her. Later on, when the moon spirit is corrupted, Yue has to sacrifice herself in order to save all the people she loves. So, I mean, there's a bit more story there than just the story of she was on Earth and she was beautiful. Uh, but it does have that same premise of having to sacrifice and give up the people and the memories you hold in order to go back up to the moon. Well, Fox, it looks like we're out of time for today, so I gotta find my way out of this bamboo forest back to our normal enchanted forest. All right, Sparrow, I'm ready to blast off as well. 
And travelers, if you want to hear more from us and find out what our next tale will be or where our next tale will be, come join us anytime on Twitter or Instagram at Tales from the Enchanted Forest. If you are a bit more old school like Sparrow, you can always email us at Tales from the Enchanted Forest. We'd love to hear your questions, comments, and or suggestions. So if you have anything to share, please don't hesitate. And remember, there's always a place for you in the bamboo forest. And sometimes, if you stick around long enough, you might hear some bloopers. Us? Make mistake? <laughs> Never. But no matter how you refer to it, it still has the same... It's still, still the same story covering the same basic... This is a basic... I hate... <laughs> <laughs> Whether you know the story as the bamboo cutter's daughter or the moon princess, I think we all know that it's the same story at heart. Oh, that was so cheesy. I'm just going to drown myself in my water. <laughs> Make a podcast, we said. It'd be easy, we said. Can't get past the intro, we can't. <laughs> I need water. Yeah. You're doing great, sweetie. Thank you. And the, like, they would do a million cuts of his foot coming out of the car. <laughs> and, like, to the surprise face of all the contestants, like, oh, there's someone else. I know, I know that you didn't mean to say this, but this is a very, very common thing that happens in any kind of, like, um, Indian drama where they will show okay. the same clip for a full, like, 10, 15 minutes. And they'll do really bad, like, Windows Movie Maker effects of, like, zooming out. And they'll play really dramatic <laughs> music. I think I watched an episode once. And it was, like, a 30-minute episode where nothing happened besides cut shots. Everyone's reactions. Everyone's faces. People, like, this guy's, like, his, they showed this guy's body, I think, his foot, his leg, his smile, <laughs> his eyes. And then the next episode, they showed, they showed who, who he actually was. But it's such a common thing in in brown and I think like any kind of like South Asian, just like small time like TV shows or even like big ones. It's just so annoying sometimes. I'm like, show us the man. What does he look like? That is very nice guy territory right there. No one is owed. Nice guys. Finish, finish last. That. That's why I'll treat you like trash. trash. To be fair, the princess were the, the not the princess. To be fair, the the yeah. To be fair, the uh, peasant the peasants. What are they? The, no, sorry. <laughs> to be to be fair, the bamboo cutter. The the bamboo Shush! I can't stop it. Okay. Barring barring you know Chris Chris, what's his name? Chris Anderson. Anderson. Hander. What's his What's his full name? Christian Anderson. I forgot his name. Hans Christian. A Hans yeah. Christian Anderson. Hans Christian Anderson. God, I was like, I'm like, his name isn't just Christian Anderson. What's before that? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, How are we doing this? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Anything from Inu Inu Inuya Inu Inuyasha. I can't even say that. 
<laughs> Inuyasha. I love Inuyasha. <laughs> you say that. Okay. I know you do, but I've I don't I've not watched <gasps> it myself. So. Okay. Oh my god! Shh. Okay. My entire life. We have to keep this. Yeah. 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 And remember, there's always a place for you in the bamboo forest. Fox, how do we get out of here? <laughs> it's a time warp. What? We need another time burst. We're in the multiverse.